Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, we're so excited to have with us Pastor Lynn Lucas from New York, Long Island. And we just love and appreciate her heart, her spirit, and just spending time with her, just knowing her passion for the things of God is, is real, it's genuine, it's sincere. And so you are blessed and you will be blessed today to hear the word of God from this woman of God. As you know, here at Victory, we don't take uh, it lightly, speakers that come, we, we, we know their heart, their integrity, and, and this is just a, a, a real special servant of God. So I want you to open up your heart, open up your spirit. Um, it's great that we only have one service and that if we get out at 1 or 2 o'clock or we take three hours, we don't have to run into another service or it's not that late. Don't worry, your reservations at 1 o'clock should be fine. But if not, you could always text and just adjust it a little bit. Would you open up your heart and your spirit and welcome and receive Pastor Lynn Lucas. God bless you. God bless you. Good morning. It is so good to be here with you. And um, I just appreciate this, this woman's conference. The worship was amazing. Uh, the hearts of the women were just so open, and this was just such an incredible, incredible conference. <laughs> Pastor Lisa, you and your team do a phenomenal job, just a phenomenal job. You know, sometimes there's glitches and sometimes there's issues, but in this conference, I noticed that there were just didn't seem to be any glitches. It just, it was just well done, well done. Uh, those in the conference got to meet the ladies that are with me today, um, and I want to introduce them because you're going to see them around. So, Amy, if you'll stand up. This is Amy. Amy works with our youth, and uh, she works with dramas, and she's, she's just amazing. She's everywhere, actually. Uh, and I want Denise to stand. Denise has traveled with me everywhere for so many years. Neither one of us are talking about it, um, but she's a wonderful prayer partner. She runs our healing service that we have once a month. And, you know, she's just, she's just there, and if she's praying for you, just be relaxed because she's, she's really tapped into the spirit. She's good to have her with you, okay? So turn with me to first, Second Kings. I'm going to uh, try to do this. De Denise and I have a deal. She warns me. She gives me hand signals. So you'll see me look down at her every once in a while. So I'm, I'm since I know it's Mother's Day. Uh, turn with me, 2 Kings, third chapter. I'm going to tell you this story more than read this story for the purpose of time. But what we're talking about today, we've been talking at the women's conference about how Praise and worship gives you the tools to get through wherever you are and gives you the tools to get you into a place where revival can pour out. And this morning, I want to take it that one step further, and I want to talk to you about how praise and worship looses gifts. 
in all kinds of situations. So the first situation we have here is that King Jehoshaphat made a terrible mistake. And when you look at it, you realize that he did what so many of us do, and he compromised. And he compromised because he had Ahab in his family. So Ahab wanted to go to war. And Jehoshaphat said to, Abraham, to uh, Ahab, listen to me, my people are as your people. My army is as your army, and I am as you are. Sometimes we get ourselves into situations where we make compromises, maybe for family, maybe for any kind of other reason that we make them work, money, family, reputation, whatever. And he got himself in with a man who could not have been worse. He killed prophets. He was married to Jezebel. This was a very, very bad man. And so they go to war, and they can't find any water for their cattle. Their cattle are dying. The armies back then took their food with them on the hoof, and they couldn't find food for them. They couldn't find water for them. The soldiers couldn't drink, and so Ahab, because of his issues, began to say, this is God. God brought us out here to kill us. God wanted to kill three kings at the same time. This is all God. And so Jehoshaphat finally said, do you have a prophet around here? And Ahab said, well, there's one. His name is Elisha, but he doesn't like me, and he never says anything good to me. <laughs> and Jehoshaphat said, oh, he's a good man, because he poured water on the hands of Elisha, Elijah. And he said, bring him here. So they go get Elisha, and they bring him to where the kings are. And because Elisha was so shy and retiring, when he got there, he looked at Ahab, and he said, what do you want? And Ahab said, God's brought us out here. He's going to kill three kings at once. We don't have any water. This is not going well. And we just need to know what God is saying. And Elisha looked at him and said, if it wasn't for the presence of Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even talk to you. Sometimes when we get ourselves in situations of compromise, we don't know how to get out. And I want to say to you, this is a season where God is, as this era is changing, this is the season in the era. Please hear me. There are seasons in eras. And this is a season where God's going after two things. Are you ready? The backslider and the believers that are caught in compromises. And God is making a door right now. And there is never a better time than when God opens a door for you to step into a forgiveness situation between you and God and for you to connect with the power of God. So Elisha says, okay, bring me a minstrel. And I want you to hear what I'm saying to you. In an atmosphere of compromise, it is very hard to hear the voice of God. That's true. 
So if you're living your life and you know, like right now, I've made some bad choices. I'm in some bad situations. I'm trapped in compromise. As you begin to worship, as you begin to turn on worship music, as you begin to listen to worship music, please hear me. It breaks the atmosphere that the compromise has brought, and it will loose the voice of God. And so as the minstrel is playing, the Bible tells us that the hand of God rested on Elisha. And the word for hand here is power and strength. And so what happens to Elisha is the power and strength of God rests on him in that moment. And God gives him a word that cut through the atmosphere. And in this time of this particular season, if you're living in a compromised situation, in that worship, God's going to put his hand of power and strength on you. He's going to cut that atmosphere, and he's going to show you what to do. I cannot tell you enough. This is such an awesome time to be alive. We're good As we go through things this morning, you're going to see such a release of the power of God that comes in worship. You don't want to miss that. So you want to step into this first step, and you want that atmosphere atmosphere of compromise broken out of your life, out of your family, out of your homes, out of your job. God has put a call out and he's saying, I, I'm calling into a new level of holiness. I'm calling into a new level of walk and I've opened this door right now. And if you're in that place, he's wanting you to step through that door. And so the hand, the power of God rested on Elisha, and he began to prophesy. And he said, God's going to take care of this, but you've got to do something. You've got to go dig ditches. Now, they've been walking in the wilderness. They don't have water. They're tired. They're exhausted. They're losing hope, and Elisha's plan is dig ditches. Now, I want you to hear my heart here. Sometimes when we've been living in a life of compromise, there are some things we have to do. There's a little bit of digging we have to do. There are some things we have to do in our situation to get out of that compromise. But God's power and God's word and the power of worship will give you the strength to dig those ditches. Amen. And the army dug the ditches. And Elisha said, there's going to be something miraculous happen. There's going to be water, and it's going to fill those ditches, and it's going to come just miraculously. The ditches were dug, and the water came from Edom and filled the ditches. It did not rain. Listen, in a season of compromise, when you've got a word of God, you do what you've got to do. There will be waters of refreshing that will flow in your life to give you what you need to empower you to get out and win the battle. Amen. And they were able to win because they didn't have to fight. The enemy turned on itself. 
the enemy saw the water, but as the sun rose, the water looked red like blood. And so they thought that Israel was already dead. And so they didn't come prepared for war. They came prepared to take the spoil. And so what I want to say to you is, when you dig those ditches, and you're coming out of compromise, and the power of God rests on your life, and that water comes to refresh you. You don't have to fight. When you take those first steps, God steps in for you and begins to push the enemy back, begins to ward the enemy off, and then you can step into the position that you need to be in. And I don't know who this is for this morning, but God is saying to you, I've heard you. I know you're ready. I know you're desperate. Just step in, make that commitment, and I'll fix the situation. Amen. Go with me to 2 Chronicles 20. Verses 20 through 24. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so you will prosper. What has happened is that it's the same king. He's in the middle of another war. And he doesn't know what to do. Everything, they're too big. They've surrounded him. They, he doesn't know what to do. And all of a sudden, you're going to look at a powerful verse that doesn't look that way. It's not going to look like it's that exciting. But verse 14 tells us that a man stood up. Now, you have to read through all the family names, and you find out he was a son of Asaph. And the reason that's important is David put Asaph in charge of 24-hour worship. And from that moment on, the family of Asaph was involved in worship. That's what they did. That's what their job was. I want you to see how important worship was to David. He set up 24-hour-a-day worship. He had 750 singers every shift. So if you can't sleep in the middle of the night, in Jerusalem you could open your window and hear the worship. Then on top of 750 singers, he had players of instruments. He had strummed instruments. He had flutes. He had cymbals. Now, I don't know how that went at 3 o'clock in the morning to hear a drum and a cymbal go off. But there was worship 24 hours a day. So here's a man whose family line is saturated in worship, who himself is a worshiper, who himself has been assigned to that duty in the temple. And Jehoshaphat does not know what to do, and the power of God hits a singer. Now, I want you to understand what I'm saying here. Worship, as you get into it, as it becomes more a part of you, as it's something that you just do unconsciously at times, 
You know, anytime I'm in the pantry van, the van is set for Air One. I don't know, do y'all get Air One up here? Air One is a worship station, 24 hours a day. So whoever is riding in the pantry van gets worship, because that's what I run. And somebody got in the pantry van last week, and they said, does this have to be on? I said, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Because there is something that happens when everything around your environment is saturated with worship. Come on. In this new era, worship is coming back to the forefront of the move. It's going to hold hands with prayer, and prayer is going to hold hands with the word, and we're going to see a power like we haven't seen for generations hit the body of Christ. And it's going to be the body of Christ it hits because as we saturate with worship, at any moment in time, God can release the spiritual gifts. And this man stands up and he prophesies. There is something about the impartation of prophecy that comes when we live in the presence of God. It's just easy to hear God speak. It's just easy to know what he's saying about something. It's just easy to watch him break down barriers and break down walls. And so this man, he begins to prophesy. And he says, Hearken ye, O Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but the battle is God's. I want to address the beginning of this prophetic word. You'll notice that he broke it down into three groups, the inhabitants of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and Jehoshaphat. And the body of Christ, we are looking at the body right now in two stages. There are people that are in Judah, and what I mean by that is in an atmosphere like the women's conference, in an atmosphere like Sunday morning, worship comes natural. You're caught in that. You're an inhabitant of Judah. It's right there. It's, it just, you just turn the switch on. But you have difficulty turning it on when you're not in a gathering. And then there are the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And they lived in surrounded by the presence of praise. David set it up. Every king that was right with God kept that pattern going. So what Jerusalem was known for was the music of God. It just filled the city. We've got to not be afraid, listen to me, to worship God. Now, I said something yesterday in the women's conference. I said, I love the masks because I could sing. Nobody knew what I was doing. They can't understand you anyway. And I said, I was so sad when they took the the mask mandate down. We get to the restaurant, my phone goes off, and it says that they're going to reinstate the mask mandate for Suffolk County. I started laughing. It was like, okay, we're back to worship in public places. (laughs) But we 
can saturate everywhere we are if we just worship. And his first words to the three was, don't be dismayed. There is something that happens in worship that when we are depressed, when we are troubled, when we are anxious, there is something that happens in worship. It cuts that attack that's attacking our brain. Listen, we have, we're the best blessed generation on the planet. And this is what I mean by that. We have got all kinds of ways to worship God. You can get in your vehicle, you can turn your radio to whatever worship station you have, or most of the vehicles now have it so your own personal playlist will play through your vehicle. So you have those songs that mean something to you. You can keep adding to your prayer list as there's a new song that means something to you. You can worship that way. We have never been so blessed in any generation before us. It is so easy now to saturate ourselves with worship. Folks, this isn't work anymore. We just turn and we just push a button. That's all we have to do. And then we have the ability to sing. And because of Bluetooth, no, everybody just thinks you're on the phone. And I don't know what's going on here, but in New York now, everybody is so worked up that when they're in their cars and they're talking on the phone, they're always moving their hands. They talk with their hands. So you know what? Turn your, your radio on. They don't know what's going on. You got your hands moving to the music. They think you're talking. But there is something when our whole bodies get involved in worship. There's just something that happens that breaks things. And then he said to them, don't be afraid of the multitude. There is something that happens in worship that we can have God say to us, don't be afraid of your problems. Come on, don't be afraid of your problems. The world wants us constantly aware of our problems. And if we're not aware of our problems, they give us problems. If you don't have enough to worry about, just hang around. Somebody will give you something to worry about. And there's something about worship. Folks, it just cuts that. And it takes our eyes off whatever that is in front of us. And all of a sudden, we're thinking about God. I can't tell you how many times in the last several months, because we had a situation going on, I can't tell you how many times I would turn that radio on in the pantry van, and the song they would be singing was, He Walked Me Through the Waters. Come on. He led me through that sea. There's all kinds of different songs that are talk about God battling for you. If you've never had this experience, I beg you, run an experiment this week. Keep your car radio off of news whatever and get it on a worship station and then start singing with it. And I will promise you that all of a sudden what you're going to find happening is the problems begin to recede in your mind. 
and you begin to see who God is. And you be, he, he always triggers your mind to who he is and how big he is. Go through the book of Psalms. Most of David's worship songs that he wrote that we now read, but got to understand they were all sung, even Psalm 119. I cannot imagine how long it took to get through Psalm 119. But every one of those psalms, focus your eyes on how great is our God. Come on. The Psalms focus us on different power that God has. And so because worship begins to loose the gifts, and the first gift it looses is that prophetic gift, the second gift it looses is, in, is the gift of encouragement, the gift of hope, and the gift of peace. You know what? We've all lost sight of one of the gifts of the Spirit is an exhorter. And I want you to hear me. We exhort all day long. We either exhort up or we exhort down, but we're going to exhort. That's right. Come on. And there's something about that worship that begins to loose the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, it's just, it's just on you. And there it is. And I can't tell you how many times I have been driving in the pantry van and I'm just worshiping, or the worship music is playing, and all of a sudden I'll get this creative idea. And it'll be, oh, we could do it that way. And you know what? I'm just so dumb that I don't know not to do it. I just do it. And I call somebody, and I'm going to say, this is how we're going to approach this. Well, how'd you do that? Well, I was in the car, and I was worshiping, and come on. It looses the gifts of the Spirit. Church, get on your feet. This is a time in the living God where God is active. He's stirring the church to get up. This building can't bring anybody to Jesus. This building cannot prophesy. This building cannot exhort. This building cannot have words of wisdom and knowledge. This building cannot speak in tongues. But that's who you are. And you take this building with you everywhere you go. You do understand that the tabernacle in the wilderness was a picture of the church. Because each one of us are a tabernacle. We take it all with us. We take the altar of sacrifice with us. We take the altar of incense with us. We take the lampstands with us. We take it all with us. And everywhere we are, it's a tabernacle. And so it loosed the gifts of the Spirit. It broke fear. It broke all kinds of depression and heaviness and anxiety. And it didn't lie. Now, I want you to hear me. Years and years ago, there was a movement in the church. I wasn't saved when it was so active. And it was like it was the faith movement. But what happened was nobody could say anything negative. Okay? So I my my associate pastor went to school at Christ for the Nations.
And so there was a, a guy, and he, he was sniffling, and he wasn't feeling well. And so she went up to him, and she said, hey, let me pray for you. You're sick. He said, I am not sick. I am well in Jesus. I am not sick. Three days later, all of his friends were sick with what he wasn't sick with. <laughs> so faith does not tell us there's not a problem. Listen to me. Faith does not tell you there isn't a problem. Faith tells you there's a God bigger than the problem. So then, this was the instructions. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jezreel. And you shall not need to fight this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not. Be not dismayed. Go out against them, for the Lord, what? will be with you. There is something that happens when the Holy Spirit is with us when we're worshiping. And the first thing that happens is all of a sudden you get personal words from God relevant to you. And the first word the Holy Spirit always says to you is, the Lord is with you. And I love it. He constantly was saying, you don't have to fight this enemy. Now, that does not mean we don't show up. You see, the church thinks if God fights for us, we don't have to show up. We got to show up. We got to have done all to stand, stand. And then listen as the Holy Spirit pushes everything back. Uh, they, they went to war, they won the war, and what did they do? Because I want to move out of here to the one I want to spend a few minutes with and we're running out of time. They, what they did was Jehoshaphat con consulted the people and he said, how do you want to do this? How do you want to go to war? They took the word of the prophet literally and they said, send the singers out. And the singers went out to battle first. But what does it say? They went out praising who God was. For his mercy endureth forever. There is, we don't think about it, but worship is a weapon. We don't often think about it, but worship will send the enemy away faster than almost anything. He cannot stand it. He just can't stand it. And the reason he can't stand it, and this is something that I just, it was like it hit me with a ton of bricks. He hates it because mankind is made a little lower than the angels. And he couldn't stay in worship in a perfect environment. Come on. 
we stay in worship in a fallen environment. And when we worship in the middle of a problem, he looks at us and it's how do they do what I couldn't do. In 1 Samuel 16, David played, the evil spirit left Saul. So I want you to hear me when you worship. It looses gifts of wisdom and knowledge, but it also looses discernment. And it empowers deliverance. I want you to turn really quick to Acts. How much have I got? Okay. Acts 16. We're going to start in where the, the big break happens. 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners, what? What did they do? Listened. There is something that happens when we are in situations that people are familiar with and they've got the same problem. And when we find a way to praise, they listen. Yes. Because they're in the same situation we're in. I don't know what's going on up here, but in New York, people are as mad as junkyard dogs. <laughs> and they drive like they left their brain in this house. And you wonder, didn't you take it with you? I... <laughs> and there's people, they're so worried, they're so anxious, they're so scared. They want to tell you about this and they want to tell you about that and they want to tell you about the other thing. And when you can praise God and you're in the same situation, come on. They bend their ear. Now, they may make fun of you, but listen to me very carefully. They're listening. Now, Paul and Silas were in the inner jail. And when Roman jails were built, they had an outer area. Then they had an inner area. And the only light that came to the inner area was a little bit that came from the front area. But for those criminals that they really hated, they were in the back dungeon and no light came and you couldn't see your hand in front of your face now that's going to become very important in a minute and when they put them in stocks they didn't just bind their feet with change they put them in contorted positions so there was added pain in their back and everywhere else as the longer they were in those chains so at midnight, and we have no idea how long they had been in that situation, Paul said, let's start praising and singing. And they started singing. Look at verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were what? Loosed. Now, I never lived in the country where there was an earthquake until 
we had a fluke earthquake on Long Island. Now, I didn't know what was going on. And I was in the church, and I was in a counseling session, and all of a sudden, everything started rolling. You know, I was on in a chair that had wheels, and it started rolling, and, and everything's rolling around. And, and I'm hearing all this noise. And I thought, we have a flat roof. God love the designer. And I thought there was somebody walking on our roof. Now, our building is huge. You have to have a double extension ladder to get on the roof. I thought somebody was out there on the roof. So I open the door, and I go out. And there's no cars anywhere, and there's nobody on the roof. And pretty soon, the security guy comes running into the church, and he said, we just had an earthquake. We just had an earthquake. And I went, get out. <laughs> well, what happened was it wasn't just our church. It was blocks. And when you study earthquakes, when an earthquake hits, it follows a fault line. This was an isolated earthquake. How do we know that? We're going to get it to the end of the story. Everybody else was living a normal life. Nothing had happened. But it was a strong enough earthquake. It shook the foundations of the prison. Now, it's pitch black. And Paul cries out to the jailer, don't harm yourself. He couldn't see the man. There was no light. But you see, in worship, it looses the gift of the spirit. And by wisdom and knowledge, God said to him, he's about to commit suicide and tell him not to. And then the jailer, the next thing Paul said was, we're all here. But he couldn't see. And the next thing you see is the verse where the, the jailer called for what? A light. And he went back with a light to check out, was this true? When he found out it was true, what did he do? He said, what must I do to be saved? There is something about praise and worship as it looses the gifts of the Spirit that it will bring people to salvation. You want people in salvation? The church has got to start flowing in the gifts. We just have got to start flowing in the gifts. People are looking for power. Come on. Come on. Denise and I were talking about it last night. She was telling me that she has little grandchildren, and she babysits for three of them. And she said there is nothing but blatant witchcraft on all the children's channels in their cartoons. There's nothing but blatant witchcraft. Why? People are lusting for power. Why? We were made to contain the dunamis power of the living God. We were made for power. That's what we were made for. And worship looses the gifts. The gifts lose salvation. It's the most exciting cycle you can imagine. The jailer comes, takes him home. What happens next? The whole house gets saved. Therefore, let me tell you, this is why Evan Roberts 
ask when the people ask him, can you have revival, he said, can you sing? There is something about worship that looses revival. And revival is when the church starts acting like the church, come on, and people are drawn to the salvation in numbers. They all got saved, but what else? They all got baptized. They didn't just stop with salvation. They took that next step. Then they fed Paul and Silas, and then they took care of their wounds. There is something that happens, and you look at it. The book of Romans talks about hospitality as a gift of the Spirit. It's loosed. It's just loosed because the power of the Holy Spirit is loosed. So I don't know where you are this morning, and I'd like the worship team to come back. If I don't see you, but if you just step up, there you go. I want to open this altar today, first of all, because God talked to me so much about people who found themselves in compromise. Do not decide, I'm not going to answer this altar call because I don't want anybody to know. The Holy Spirit wants to do business with you today. The Holy Spirit has words for you. The Holy Spirit wants to free you from things, wants to give you a battle plan, how to get out of that situation. But you've got to acknowledge you're in the situation. The Holy Spirit can't take you out of something you won't admit you're in. You see, God gave us a free will, and it's one of the greatest gifts he gave us. He'll never make us a puppet. Mothers, you know how it is. When, when I was raising my daughter, I would always say, Okay, if you don't do this, I'm going to do that. And I had to make sure that I was able to do that. Do you hear me? Now, I knew that a lot of times she wouldn't. Okay? But I also knew if she made one acknowledgement, just one, I would be there. And the Holy Spirit's waiting for an acknowledgement. So I just want you to stand to your feet. We're going to make a multifaceted call. So you don't have to move when I make the, the thing. But if you're in a compromised situation, in a relationship of some type or other, in a business situation somewhere, come to this side because we're going to pray for you. God's going to give you a battle plan. If you're in this situation, and you're saying, I, I'm just, I'm covered by fear. I'm covered by anxiety. I'm covered by worry. Just step right here. If you want to be loosed in the gifts of the Spirit or you want baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's this section right here. If you need healing, it's that section right over there. So remember, compromise is here. Fear and anxiety are here. Baptism of the Holy Spirit and loose of the gifts is here and healings over there. So as the worship team, just come, just begins to play. I want Amy to come. Amy, can you step up? Denise, if you'll come. Pastors, if you'll come. And anybody that's on their prayer teams, if you want to come. We want to be prepared for you. And so we don't want you to have to wait. So if you want to answer those calls, come on, Pastor Mike. If, if you want to answer any of those altar calls, just come. Just come. Compromise here, fear here.
Loose of the gifted spirit here, healing over there. We wait for you. We wait for you. 